We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. And joining me today is a very special guest. You see him on Twitter, of course, uh, you know, former uh, scout for the Chargers, current scout for the Draft Network, Mr. Brentley Wiseman. Brentley, thanks for taking the time to join me today. How are you doing? Doing well, Steven. I appreciate you asking me to come on. Um, always a pleasure. It's been a while. I mean, definitely need to come on more. Um but I'm excited to talk ball with you, specifically some Charger ball. And, uh, yeah, man, things are good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the previous season we had you on during the season because the Chargers season was just miserable. So, you know, we pivoted <laughs> towards the draft a little earlier last year than this year. So, obviously, the Chargers season did not end the right way. But uh, uh, the draft season is getting kicked off a little bit earlier this year. So, um, really excited to talk about Brentley today, get some of his thoughts on uh, some fits for the Chargers players. We'll ask him about uh, players from Oregon as well as the resident Oregon guy, maybe a potential reunion in the works with some of Justin Herbert's former teammates. And then uh, Brentley was able to attend the Shrine Bowl in Las Vegas this year. So we'll get some standouts from the Shrine Bowl as well. Uh, we'll start with the Oregon uh, standouts, if you will. I know there's a good, a decent amount of day three buzz for CJ Verdell, the former running back that Justin Herbert played alongside with. Uh, what are your thoughts there with CJ and then any other potential uh, Oregon draft picks this year? Yeah, man, CJ is a guy who I was hoping would actually return to school, uh, as, okay. as you mentioned, as an Oregon alumni, but that's that's selfishly. So I think obviously he, he, he was definitely ready to go to the NFL into the next level. Um, you know, uh, he's a guy that before his injury this season was on his way to a potential kind of Doak Walker, you know, caliber season. I mean, he was unsensational um, early in the year, obviously, with the highlight being at Ohio State where he had, what, almost 200 yards rushing and, like, four touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he was amazing. And so he's a compact, um, really physical downhill runner, Um explosive down the field speed. You know, I, I think that's a really underrated part of his game when he opens up his stride and, and at the second level, he's pulling away. Um, good vision. Um, he's not a guy who's going to make a lot of people miss laterally. Um, like, yeah. like a Justin Jackson for a guy I know you're familiar with who really shifty has, has, has loose hips that can make guys miss in the open field. That's not Verdell. 
Cordell is a guy who, if he sees a hole, he can hit it and hit it with some juice. And all he needs is a gap, and he's gone. So, I think you know, for the Chargers, if 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 they decide to kind of take another swing later in the round to find that true back that can be the complement to Eckler, because I can tell you, I he is not on the roster still. I know they they tried with Roundtree, no. they tried with Kelly two years ago, and then they still have Justin Jackson. I think he's a free agent. He is not on the roster, and so. I definitely think, you know, running back will be a place the Chargers look to improve on. And Verdell, you know, somewhere in the sixth, maybe seventh round, is a steal, in my opinion, because I think if he hadn't if he didn't get hurt, he's not lasting that long. Yeah, no, he's somebody that I, I'm really interested in because I think the Chargers do need that home run kind of third. I, I think that there are some running backs that could fit that uh kind of mold in free agency if they want to go that route as well. Um, but I, they need competition desperately at this position. I think you look at, and, you know, we're all thinking of like the Rams and, and the Bengals right now, of course. And like the Rams, you know, they saw a need and they went out and got Sony Michelle and they're probably not playing in the Super Bowl without Sony Michelle. I didn't, I know he didn't have a huge role in the playoffs, but he was able to you know, kind of carry that room. And if anything happens to Austin Eckler, like it did in 2020, the Chargers just ha- don't have anybody back there. So, I'm in favor of doing whatever it takes to bring competition. I I don't really see a fit for Roundtree or Kelly at this point. I think Roundtree maybe as a practice squad guy who can come in and be, you know, special teams depth. But this running back room needs a lot of love, in my opinion. No, man, I I completely agree. I mean, bring back Melvin. I mean, I don't, <laughs> Den- Denver's going to let him walk, so bring back Melvin because he's still good when he's healthy. You know, he's, yeah. I don't think he'll be asking for, you know, a, a huge amount of money like he was when I was at two years ago when he was entering for agency. So, I mean, just kind of kidding on that front. But, I mean, they definitely do need to get a running back. I mean, I, I love Eckler. Um, love everything he brings to the table. Obviously, he's really valued by the team and the front office. But I don't think – he's best used as a feature back. Now, he's proved he can do it. I just don't think for the Chargers offense to really take that next step, I do believe they need a back who can complement Eckler and who can allow Eckler to do some of the things that he was doing in his rookie season, in his sophomore season, where you saw the Chargers do a lot of two-back sets, 21 pony, where you have Eckler split out, out wide on a linebacker, and that's a complete mismatch. While you still have Melvin Gordon or a back like that, like that in the backfield, like that, those are the types of things that Eckler can still do. That defenses, you know, that that's the stuff of nightmares. You right? How do you game plan for Eckler being a, on a linebacker in the slot or split out wide, and then you still have to account for a real threat in the backfield, you know? Right. And so, I I personally think getting a, a, another running back that can actually contribute and not just be a generic backup, which is what Kelly, Roundtree, and Jason Jackson are, is highly important. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that, you know, from Joe Lombardi's days with the Saints, like that 21 pony is is a staple, right? You know, whether it was Reggie Bush or Alvin Kamara or now Austin Eckler, like they've always had tried to have like two legitimate backs. So I'm curious to see really how they go about doing that. So the other Oregon player I really wanted to ask you about is uh, defensive back Verone McKinley. He reportedly has met with the Chargers twice. Um, he was a late add to the Senior Bowl. Really, I felt like he should have been there from day one. 
what are your thoughts about McKinley's draft stock and how you could potentially see him fitting in with the Chargers? Yeah, honestly, like the fact that he wasn't initially invited but yet was eligible, I was highly yeah. confused because, like, if he's eligible for the senior bowl, why the hell wasn't he at least at the shrine bowl? Like, <laughs> so many right. questions, but, um, you know, I, I, I have, uh, like an early three on him. Um, to, his game is really instincts, 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 instincts in both phases. I mean, he, I think he led the country in picks last year, and it's not because yeah. he has crazy range or because you know he's running a four four forty and he can you know go red line to red line. It's because his instincts are outstanding. I mean, up 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 there with Javon Holland, who you know is arguably a top three defensive rookie of the year candidate last year with Miami Dolphins, and so those are the types of instincts he has. I think he's best suited as a free safety in like a cover three scheme. Can do some split safety stuff. Can also play some nickel. I think he's a highly versatile player. The issues with Ron McKinley is he's just not fast. You know, he's okay. probably probably a, a high four or five guy. Um, he's not someone you feel great about. You know, being man on man. You know, having speed at three. You know, he's not. He's not that kind of guy who can really flip a hip, flip his hips, and carry vertically. Like it's not his game. But you know, for the Chargers, who you know could really use that kind of third safety, yeah. maybe even a second safety, like he McKinley could fit in nicely, you know. And then, and then honestly, having a versatile defend, defender, you could always have room for. It. Again, I think he could play some nickel. I think um, he can play down in the box, you know, similar to kind of how Adrian Phillips was used back in eighteen. I think I think there's some of the things he can do because he's an outstanding tackler. Um, can can beat blocks, can, can shed blocks. Um, just really good instincts in the run game as well. So I, I think he's a guy I feel really good about in the third round. I know some people have him a little lower, but you, you just don't luck into that kind of ball production. You, right. just, you just don't. Right? And and and, um, and people have the same kind of questions about Holland. And I know I'm the resident Oregon kind of homer at TDN, but I mean, I was also the resident Oregon homer at the Chargers. You know, when, when Herbert right. was a, a sophomore, you know, people called me crazy. But, um, you know, I do think McKinley is a guy who he might lack the speed, might lack the raw athleticism. But all the kid does is make plays. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think the Chargers need to, you know, address the safety position behind Derwin. I'm a believer in Nasir Adderley. I think he he's a solid starter, quality starter. Um, but it's just unfortunate, right? Because Mark Webb, as soon as he started to play a little bit, he got hurt. As soon as we saw flashes from Alohi Gilman, he got hurt. So um, that's another position where, you know, I'm in favor of adding some competition, uh, whether it be through free agency or the draft. Um, I want to pivot to the Shrine Bowl. Uh, we were joking off off air right beforehand about Utah, Oregon, stuff like that. Um, but a guy who I was really surprised didn't get a combine invite is Utah offensive tackle Bam Olaseni a massive human being. Uh, what did you get to see from him in particular at the Shrine Bowl? Yeah, I mean, on the hoof, it's like, wow. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. This guy, what is he, like six, seven, just ridiculous arm length. I mean, he looks the part. It looks pretty. Um, I actually got a chance to talk to an area scout from, um, you know, an NFC team. I'm not going to disclose the team, but he's, he's a buddy of mine. And I just asked him, hey, like, why haven't I heard of this guy like until this past week? You know, I, yeah. I'm a Pac-12 football guy. I didn't really hear, hear about him. And, and you know, Stephen, you probably know more than I do, but from what, from what he was telling me is he's from London, 
has barely played any football. I think he played like what eight games this past year. He wasn't really the full time starter until like later on in the year. I don't know if that's really accurate or not, but the messaging I got, he's just extremely, extremely green in everything. Yeah. He's just completely new to football. This is a real project similar to, um, you know, my, my, Mayata, Jordan Mayata at the Eagles, like okay. completely, completely new to the sport. Um, and so I, I, I think some of those, some of that rawness showed up on tape in 2021 where he's pretty and he looks the part, but the results weren't necessarily great. Um, additionally, I think he's like 25 years old, 26 years old. So he's going to be really, really old as a rookie, um, which obviously doesn't help him at all. Um, so I, I think just the lack of him kind of being on the scene earlier, because one thing that people don't, don't understand is combine voting takes place like early January, like late December. Uh, okay. Before, yeah. So for example, like that was one of my roles at the Chargers was, I would go log onto a portal that the NFL sends a link to, and then I would like click yes or no to hundreds of players that that, that the NFL has um, in the in the database, and debating on the Chargers' personal grade, I'd say yes or no. And so my assumption is, um, I'm not, I'm not even trying to pronounce his name, but uh, the, the Utah tackle probably wasn't on the scene yet, you know. And so like right. when people are voting for the combine, just left him off, you know. And I, I think he is a guy we do wish we could see at the combine just because it's rare people have that size and stuff like that. But you know, I also think that he, he can go to the pro day, he can do the private workouts. We'll see if he gets drafted. I'd probably bet he doesn't get drafted. Almost honestly, based on what I saw at the Shrine Bowl, it wasn't great. Um, being honest with you. Uh, his reps weren't 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 great, weren't really good. Um, he got beat quite a bit. They tried him at guard. Can't really anchor at tackle. His technique's a mess. But I mean, at the end of the day, those physical those physical tools are those physical tools, and and it only takes one team to like him. But I would bet right now that he goes undrafted. Man, you're you're bursting my bubble over here, Brentley. You're killing me. Um, but yeah, I, I totally get it. You know, we uh, in the Utah circle are not expecting much from Bam this season. Um, you know, he is from London. He did do junior college. Uh, he actually grew up loving soccer like most people in London do. Um, and then came over to the States to play football in high school. Um, but he, he, they tried to start him in 2019. The first game they tried to start him at was at right tackle against Joe Tryon. Oh boy. And after like 10 reps, it was like, all right, we got to get this guy out of here. He's not yeah. ready for this. So um, 2020, they started him, but they played four games. And then this past year, he didn't play in the first game, didn't play in the second game, and then started the rest of the year after that. So, um, you know, he's got 15, 16 games under his belt, really. Um, but his size is his size, man. So, I, like I said, I, I wouldn't expect him to be, Drafted super high. I could definitely see somebody taking a flyer on him for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about some players that did actually improve their draft stock. And me, one or two guys that you feel like is somebody that you walked away from Vegas thinking that, or, or maybe you had to go back and revisit the tape, somebody that really surprised you in their time in Las Vegas. Yeah, there's a, there's a few names. You know, I, I'd be um, remiss not to at least mention, obviously, Kyle Phillips is a guy, a guy I know me and you tweeted about. I mean – 
even in October, right? Like I, yeah. I definitely remember me having a back and forth on Twitter because like I tweeted a lot like, this dude's going to go a lot higher than people think, you know? And then um, now all of a sudden he was at the talk of the town in, in Vegas. Um, and this is a guy I was around at UCLA. I was, uh, after I left the Chargers, I did like a seven month stretch at UCLA before I realized I hated college recruiting. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did get to spend time with Kyle Phillips and, and I saw the way he carried himself. I saw the way that his teammates like respected him. And then he okay. was a he was a veteran freshman at the time, and it stuck with me because I'm like, this is a kid who's small, kind of undersized, who grew up in Southern California in San Marcos, so he knows all these UCLA five star kids, and he's like the dog of the of the of the program, and this is before he was even like the the, the all Pac-12 player that he t- developed into. Like this is just in practice and coming out of high school, like yeah. His his peers know he he was that dude, and I was like, okay, like we'll see. And then lo and behold, he has the, the career he has, and it's like okay, yeah, like sometimes the peers know, you know. And yeah. he to me is just the guy that I I was by far the highest on um, during our TV and scouting process over the, over the fall and into the winter. I gave him a second round grade, man. I gave him a second round grade, and and. I know predictively he's probably not going to go in the second round just because he doesn't have that size and he's going to be, um, you know, penciled in as a slot only for a lot of teams. But I just feel so good about him as a player at the next level who I know can come in day one, be a starting slot, catch 90 balls, be an excellent punt returner, and just be tough as nails and a guy you want in your building. And, like, he was literally, Steven, unco- uncoverable at the Shrine Bowl. Like, I mean, he did not lose a rep in both team Jeez. and one-on-ones. I mean, it was ridiculous. Couldn't get a hand on him. Because he is so sudden. He is so shifty. He's so just, just, just quick off the line, through the stem, understands leverage. And then he's tough and strong. Like, you try to, try to jam him. Yeah. You, you think he's undersized. Like, good luck because he's stronger than you. Like, I, I don't think that he couldn't play outside, you know? I, mean, I, I really do think he could do both. Um, you know, do I wish he was a little more explosive? Is he going to be a run of 4-4? Probably not. Probably low 4-5s to mid-4-5s. To mid but I bet his shuttle's really good, you know? I bet, yeah. his, <laughs> I bet his speed cone's outstanding because the dude can change direction, um, really good with the ball in his hands, can high point the football. I mean, to me, he has everything I look for in a receiver and um, – you know, he's 5'11". He's not He's not short. You know, he's not like Braxton Berrios, who's barely 5'9". Right. Like, this dude has some size. Um, so he's just a guy I, I think really helped himself in Vegas and, to me, just confirmed what I already knew. But for a bunch of new people, it kind of put him on the scene, if that makes sense. And, you know, it wasn't just the media people that was that was blowing him up. It was all the scouts. Like, all my friends, all the people I was talking to in, in, in the stands, like, yeah, like this dude's the best player here in Vegas. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely a guy I would I would I would I would point to. Another guy who I wasn't really familiar with was Matthew Butler, the defensive tackle from Tennessee. Um, he's probably the most consistent of the bunch on defense. He's a guy who's really, really good size, he's explosive. Um, in terms of rushing the passer, is a good first step, plays with length. Um, really good power for his bull rush. Showed some hand usage to kind of do do a dip and rip and swim move. 
um, just really, really, really disruptive in one-on-ones and in team. But I would say you could say that about a bunch of players who were at the exactly. Shrine Bowl in terms of who, who, who were disruptive in passing situations. Where Butler separated himself was in the running game, where he actually showed an ability to set the edge and hold the point of attack and two-gap and do things like that. That was really impressive to me because, you know, a guy like Thomas Booker from Stanford, who I really like, who's another one of those kind of interior pass rushers who's better upfield than really setting the edge in the running game, he was getting blown off the ball and washed in, 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 on run plays because he doesn't have a firm anchor and he's kind of narrow where Butler is wide body and can really anchor against double teams and things like that. So I thought he's really separated himself. I, th- I think I think he made some money. I wouldn't be surprised if he can go up in the third round. Yeah, you know, that's unfortunate about Booker. He was somebody that I was interested in seeing too. Somebody really disruptive at Stanford. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, the Kyle Phillips thing though, it, it's – it's really interesting to me, you know, he, he of course has been slapped with like the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker comps, but I mean, he was a high four-star recruit coming out of high school at, at UCLA, if I'm not mistaken. So like, he's got legitimate athleticism chops. And I think just labeling him as like, oh, you know, the stereotypical Patriot slot receiver. Kind yeah, of the, thing the is, small is white receiver, him. like, no, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, and I, I hate to say it. But if the kid was black, like the narrative changes. Like yeah. I, it's 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 just the fact of it, you know. I mean, it's just being real. That's kind of that's, that's the way that's the way it goes. And it's not right, but that's just the way media and really even scouts talk about it, you know. And, and like I compared him, so I actually I did a scouting report with TDN, and I compared him to Amara St. Brown. Honestly, okay. I, I I think that's I like that one. Yeah. Very similarly athletically to Amara St. Brown. I think Amon Ra is probably a little more physical just because I think he's a little denser, um, has more muscle mass than Kyle. But, again, Kyle is strong. Um, I think Kyle might be a little more sudden than Amon Ra. Okay. But I think both are really good after the catch. Both are good at the catch point. Both can win in the slot. I know Amon Ra does a little more outside. But I think so can Kyle. I really do. And so um, that was my comparison. I think Amon Ra in the fourth round. He clearly outplayed that draft slot. I mean – I think anyone who really watched Amon Ra should have had him at least a minimum in the third round. I think we had, I think TD and had him in the second round. And so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if Kyle goes to a situation similar to Amon Ra where he can get some volume targets because maybe there isn't like a number one or number two. There's no reason why Kyle couldn't have a really successful uh, rookie year. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of him as well. I know my, my co-host Tyler is as well. Um, I, I know that the tight end room or, or tight end group, if you will, heading into the Shrine Bowl uh, was getting a, a lot of love. And I think it's you know been getting a lot of love at every All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, anyone in, in, in terms of the tight end stand out to you in Vegas? Yeah, man. I mean, Jelani Woods, the Virginia tight end, was a major, major standout. I think he's what he's like 6'6", 260 pounds, can stretch the field, outstanding catch radius, give up the ball in his hands. This dude, like when he made plays in practice, like he definitely garnered the most like wows of, of, of the week at Vegas. I mean, he's a guy who I wasn't familiar with at all, but you saw him walking into the practice, really, holy crap, who's this guy? And then you really got to see him run and catch balls in one-on-ones and in team situations. You just wanted to go do more homework on him because he looks the part, he moves well. 
and he was he was dominant really. So I th- I think he certainly helped himself. There was a few other names who I'm, I'm blanking on right now. There was a kid, um, trying to recall his name, but he was from Ohio, who was a quarterback. I think Roger Roger Armani Rogers was a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he, I think he was a quarterback. He played at UNLV and then transferred over to Ohio to be a quarterback, but ended up switching to tight end. He looked pretty good at practice too. Um, so he's he can be a project later in the rounds. He's a really good receiving tight end, athletic. Has some radius, um, has some suddenness to him. I thought he looked good. Um, Oregon State kid, forget his name, but he had a really strong week as well um, at practice, I recall. And same with the Pittsburgh kid. I think his name was something like Kroll or something like that. Um, but overall, that I'd say that was by far the deepest group in Vegas. Um, and I think arguably probably the deepest group in this entire draft class outside of corner. But I think tight ends, man, if – and I, the Chargers need a tight end. <laughs> so, um, I mean, because what's his name? Jared Cook ain't gonna cut it. I mean, I want him. <laughs> I want him as far away from Herbert as possible. <laughs> I, I, I want him shipped out of Orange County immediately. So, um, I know tight end will be an area they they look to address pretty early. Yeah, I think that sentiment is shared by universally uh, among Chargers fans on Twitter. Uh, really quickly, the Oregon State tight end is Tegan uh, Quitterayano. Yeah, he, he, he had a very strong week. Yeah, okay. It's good to know. I, I'm excited to dive into the tight end class a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Dulcich from UCLA. Yeah. Uh, I like Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin a lot, but those are really the only two that I've had the chance to dive into so far. Um, the, you mentioned the, the need. Go I was going to say real quick, Stephen. Yeah, so the tight ends I've – really seen it in the way TDM does their scouting process, which is, is pretty unique for media is like, we all don't just go down the line and, and try to s- scout all the top players. We split it up regionally. Okay. So me as a part-time scout, I didn't have a region. I just kind of just picked and choose people's from re- uh, players from other people's region. But for example, you know, Joe Marino, he had, um, you know, kind of the ACC and some SEC. Kyle had the Big Ten and some SEC. Uh, Keith had the Big 12 and some 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 SEC. And then Dre Harris had the Pac-12 and some SEC. And I always kind of go over the top. And so my exposure to this tight end class has really been limited. But based on the guys I've watched, I still would argue Jalen Weidermeyer from A&M is, is the best that I've seen. Okay. I know people have – cooled on him for whatever yeah. reason, but I, I, I still think he's a player that um, can really help an offense. So he, he's, he's a guy I definitely like. Yeah, I think those players who are kind of like not first round locks who are out early kind of get pushed down the board sometimes because, Oh, like we see these guys at the shrine bowl. We see them at the senior bowl. Like we've seen them more recently. So um, he's definitely someone that I'm curious to get into. I know I've heard a lot of good things there as well. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this one. You mentioned the need at cornerback. Uh, your most recent mock draft, which you know I had some fun with doing a blind reaction there. You had the Chargers taking Trent <laughs> McDuffie. Um, what's your report on Trent McDuffie? And then kind of your general philosophy on how the Chargers should approach this draft, uh, which is arguably the most important draft in franchise history. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's a good statement considering, you know, you have this quarterback who – Y'all better not waste, you know. Yeah, that <laughs> so, dude. <laughs> and so, um, 
Yeah, man, going back going to Trent. So I had I had the pleasure of scouting Trent um, during summer scouting TDN last summer, and I gave him an astronomical grade. Like I gave him okay. an extremely high grade. Yeah, um, and I, I was met with some skepticism because many people just think I'm a pack club homer and stuff like that, which admittedly I am. But you know, that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it works out. Yeah, it, it, does, it does. It does. Of, it does. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert. <laughs> it, it does. Um, but no, man, McDuffie, he's just, first off, he's unreal athleticism. I mean, he's going to jump vertically at 41 inches. So like he's super explosive, really springy, um, outstanding quickness to, to kind of mirror patterns and under, underneath and, and, um, intermediate. I think that's one of the things I really look for in corners is when you have a receiver who does a quick slant or a speed out or, or a, a hitch, can you stop and click and close and maintain um, contact with the receiver? Yeah. And it's, it's hard for some of these guys. Like Mike Davis, he can't do that. Like that is that is not Mike Davis's game because he's so long. He doesn't yeah. have the, the stop-start ability and the, the change of direction. McDuffie is borderline rare in that regard. So like he can just stick to these receivers – who are quick and who can move with suddenness and, and, and do all kinds of, of fancy footwork in, in the stem, McDuffie can stay connected because he, he can mirror those patterns with that quickness and with that fluidity that I think is just special. And then when you compare it, when you combine that with his physicality, both throughout the stem as a tackler and run support, um, and then just the, the way he carries himself, he's like an alpha dog. And I think you got to have that in your corners. I just think he is a complete player. Um, you know, the only, the only knocks I had on McDuffie was the lack of length. Okay. But at the same time, we're talking about a guy who's going to jump 41 inches, you know? Right. So it's like he'll be able to at least compete at the catch point down the field because he can go up vertically and, and really kind of, compete at the catch point and things like that. And so I think McDuffie to me is, is a borderline can't miss player. That's, that's kind of the, 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 the train I've been on. Like at worst, you're getting an excellent starter. In my opinion, is he going to be a hall of famer, perennial pro bowler, like potentially uh, Derek Stingley or Andrew Booth might be, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. I mean, who knows? Yeah. But I feel pretty damn good about McDuffie not is not gonna be a bust. Like I, I, I feel very confident in saying that. Um and so yeah, I mean I, again I gave him a super high grade, and now all of a sudden I'm I'm seeing I'm not the only one. You know, now all of a sudden yeah. Jeremiah had him at number 12. Um Brugler had him at 12 yesterday or today. Mm-hmm. I'm well, this, this is this is funny. Like, I mean, I had him <laughs> I had him as a top team player back in the summer. Um, but it's um it does. It's it's nice being uh, validated by two people that I respect in, in the media, yeah. at the very least. Yeah. But I do know the sentiment is felt in the league as well that um, McDuffie is certainly a top twenty player in this class. And if if he were to fall to the Chargers, I do think that's like his sweet spot is pick seventeen. I think it's a home run selection. I mean, from my mock, I'm trying to think who who else did I consider. Um, Maybe a receiver at that spot. I didn't love any of the tackle options at that spot. Um, Jordan Davis. Uh, I don't. I, I think corner's a bigger need than a nose tackle for me um, at that spot. 
Yeah, I, I think if the draft shook out like that, I think that's probably where I would go. Or I would go edge and just go off the wall and just draft an edge. I forget yeah. who, I, who I had available, but like just take an edge. So there was uh, Jameson was there. Um, both of the interior guys, Linderbaum, Kenyon Green, Chris Olave, Jordan Davis, Zion Johnson, Trayvon Walker, uh, McDonald's I mean, yeah. teammate, Kyler Tra- Gordon. Trayvon Tra- 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 Walker could have been interesting. Could have been interesting there. Um, I, I'm a little, I'm a little iffy Hit. on Walker. Yeah, his hype is going crazy right now. Yeah, so I so I did him as well for TDN and like I gave I gave him, I think, an eighty four five, which on our ranks or scale is a very like it's like it's like a low first, early second, but like how that shakes up on our board is like he'll clearly be at the top twenty player, like yeah when, when we shit when we stack it, but yeah man I just don't know what you plan and that, that that's that's what I said yeah. is like. Last year, I think he played closer to 300. This year, he played closer to like, sorry, last year, I think he played like 280. This year, he played like 260. Um, played more edge this year. Last year, he's more interior. I personally think he's better inside than outside. Because um, while he's explosive, I don't think he's necessarily fluid and can really bend great to, to win with anything more than just speed or speed to power. I don't see him really bending the edge, which for me, like as a pass rusher, I need to bend. Um, that's why I think he could probably be better inside, just dominating three te- uh, uh, dominating at three tech, just beating guards with quickness. But like, where, where, do, where do you slot that? You know, it, right. it's, it's tough. Um, Cause that, the, the athletic traits and, and the size and the length, like, I love it because he is so explosive and he is so long, but it's like he's a bit of a tweener, you know, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. And, um, I think, I yeah, think him so and we'll DeMarvin see. Leal are very similar in that regard too. It's funny, dude. I just finished DeMarvin Leal yesterday and I did not grade him as high as, as, as I thought I would. Cause I liked yeah. it a lot coming off of last year's tape, but this year, man, this dude cannot anchor against the run to save his life. Um, Jerry Tillery vibes for sure there. Yeah, I bet. At least, at least, at least, Leal is explosive. I don't, I don't think Tillery was that explosive. Leal does show some explosiveness to him, but it comes in spurts. I, I said in our meeting yesterday, which I, I met, I was met with some skepticism a little bit. I think he's better at end than inside. I, I, I would probably play Leal outside, and, and and let him just try to win outside with some speed, with some with some power. Because inside, I think he's a liability. I think he's really a, a, a one-down player because you cannot trust that man early early in downs because I'm running right at him, you know? And, yeah. And, and so I, I think I gave him a second-round grade, like a mid-second-round grade. Um, at least with Walker, he is, he is better than, against the run than, than, than Leal. But um, now going back to the corner, to the, the, the pick and McDuffie, I, I think at the end of the day, getting a player like that, in the Chargers defense, allowing um, – and, and one, you can never have too many corners, man. You know as a Chargers fan, like, yeah, that position group gets decimated year in and year out, and then you have practice squad players seeing significant snaps. This year was and, brutal. In the AFC West, going against Tyreek Hill, like, you need guys. You absolutely yeah. need guys. And, and knowing Telesco and knowing his philosophy of coverage over pass rush, like – they're drafting another corner, <laughs> whether that's yeah. in the first, second, or third. 
put that in pen. They're taking corner. Like, has they are. Um, and McDuffie in the first to me is a home run. Yeah, I, I'm of the belief right now. I, I I think it's the best corner or the best edge rusher at 17. I have always believed you invest first round picks in premium positions, and this year, you know like Chris Harris is a free agent and I do not expect him to be back. Like Tavon Campbell right now would be your starting slot corner, which would just be a freaking disaster. I mean, I think he's a fine fifth corner depth player, but you know, I think if there's anything to go back to like the Buffalo bills game and Buffalo bills and chiefs game is that if you're going to keep up with the AFC West and AFC in general, like you need like four or five corners to, you know, be able to at least slow them down because you know, we saw how important not having Tredavious White was for the Buffalo Bills this year. And you can point to, you know, the Bengals losing to the Rams because Eli Apple is your probably your best corner. So I, I'm in favor of, you know, stocking up on, on corners, pass rushers. And everyone's always like, well, you have Asante, you have Joey and Achenna. And it's like you need like three or four pass rushers. You need four or five corners in today's NFL, I think, to kind of counteract what is happening with all the offense around the league. Yeah, man, I I completely agree. And like, I'll end on this, and maybe this is probably a topic for another day, Steve. And I'll come on again <laughs> in a couple of weeks. But like, the Chargers have a lot of holes, man. Like, <laughs> like, they and, and they they get talked about roster wise as one of the better rosters in the league, and I I just can't get get there. Um, so I think I, th- I think if they were. They're not missing the playoffs with the, with a quarterback who played so well. I think Herbert is really is really um, lifting up this roster and, and making this team better. Um, it's not the other way around, and I, I I think that that narrative is completely wrong. Where it's like, oh well, Herbert was drafted to a good team, and that's why he's so good. No man, I'm like this team has some holes. Like outside of Joey, who is the other edge rusher? I love Chenna, but he's more. He's, I think he's best more as as, as your third guy. Interior, you have, you have um, gosh, what, Lind- everybody's you have, a free agent, man. It's, you have, it's, you have Lindvall, it's like, and Fajoko. Yeah, like okay, so exactly at linebacker, I, I know the team loves Kaiser and they love Drew Tranquil, but like, you know, I mean, Kaiser arguably played at a Pro Bowl level. Tranquil, when he was in when he's in the lineup, played well too. But you know, I don't know about that. Kenneth Murray looks like a whiff. Um, we'll we'll see if he can you know learn this defense a little 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 better. The secondary, as I mentioned, like outside of Derwin and Asante, he was hurt for a lot of the year. Yeah, I don't, I don't love anybody. And then offensively, tight end, you had no one. Like offensive line on the right side, disaster. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of areas for improvement, and and, and it just kind of goes to show you, like you know, and, and look, I, I love Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna say one bad word ever about Joe Burrow, and he's getting a lot of credit for elevating the Bengals to the Super Bowl, which I think he did to an extent, but people don't talk about what Herbert does is doing elevating this Chargers team to where it was last year. Like they are winning because of Herbert, not, not Herbert winning because of the team. That's my opinion. I think there's a lot, a lot this phrase that, that this uh, front office needs to do in order to really build around this quarterback, because I just think that there's so many holes. Um, I can make an argument for six positions in the first round <laughs> that you, you you could at least accept. Yeah. And that 
to me is is a red flag. And so I, I think they need to be aggressive in free agency, aggressive in the draft, whether that's trading down and acquiring more picks in the second round, because that's where this draft is money. Like second round, early third round, you can get some starters. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't even hate that. So we'll see. But as you mentioned, yeah. this is a huge, huge, huge offseason for this team. And yeah, they gotta get it right. I'm I'm of the belief that the like one through ten on the Chargers I'll put up against anybody. Mm-hmm. It's the the problem is the eleven through the fifty three where I mean you have some solid players here and there right like I mentioned Adderley I think he's a solid starter. You know we'll see what they do with Kaiser White. I I, I would love to have him back. I think he's a solid starter. Sante solid starter, but you know you're you're missing the guys like the Greg Gaines of the world, the Ashawn Robinson. Uh, you know, the Von Bell that the Bengals have and the Sam Hubbard. So, you know, I think this is an opportunity. They have the Chargers certainly have the resources uh, to, you know, fix that problem this year. They have 11 draft picks. You mentioned a trade down scenario. And, you know, we haven't really seen Tom do that very much. But um, if they can, you know, I know um, who was it today? I think it might have been uh, Todd McShay had them trading down with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so the Steelers could move up and get Malik Willis. So uh, if that happens this year, fantastic, because I think the Chargers do have a lot of needs. And like you said, you know, whether it's right tackle, you know, Kenyon Green, I think would be a fantastic pick at right guard, corner, edge rusher, receiver. Frankly, I'm cool with anything except for nose tackle. Please do not draft a nose tackle with a first round pick. That would that would just be uh, a disaster. But anything else, man, I- I'm cool with. I totally agree, man. Totally agree. Uh, well, Brantley, man, this has been awesome. Can't thank you enough for joining me today. What do you have coming up at the Draft Network, and where can uh, Chargers fans find that work? Yeah, man. I mean, just putting out content every week right now. We are currently going through cross-checks, so I'm finally able to get my eyes on the players who I wasn't able to study during regional scouting, as I mentioned. So just going from the top down, all the top guys all the way down. So as I mentioned Watch, you know, Leal yesterday and, and Booth, Linderbaum, and, and Kenyon Green today. And, and um, it's been good. So I'll be, I'll be tweeting a lot at Brentley12, B-R-E-N-T-L-E-Y 12. Um, my thoughts on some of those top players. Um, my latest mock draft came out on Sunday on Super Bowl during halftime. So check that out at the Draft Network. Um, but again, man, yeah, I mean, it's the best time of the year. It's draft season. A bunch of contracts are going to be put out. And, um, yeah, man, it's going to be good. Yes, Charge fans, I cannot recommend following Brentley uh, enough because he is more plugged in, as as you can tell from this video, more plugged in with the Chargers' needs and, and kind of that evaluation than anyone really on draft Twitter. Uh, so really excited to kind of see that content coming out. And Brentley, uh, again, thanks for joining me today. Man, always a pleasure, Stephen. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.